Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Music Survival Guide. In this episode, we're going to chat about different methods of releasing music in 2019. We're going to cover the pros and cons, the practicalities, and the biggest stumbling blocks we've seen in our time as industry pros. So without any further ado, here comes the show. So Joe, how are you? I am doing incredibly well, thanks mate. I'm uh, very stressed, as summer is always the peak of uh, making records, but I wouldn't change it for the world. How are you? I'm I'm good. Um, I don't like summer, but for a very different reason, because... Uh, <laughs> I, I I hate the sun. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I hate the sun. I'd much prefer like snow or rain, um, <laughs> which sounds dreary. But then, you know, I was born in January. so. Well, you should move up north because it's been absolutely grim. And all I can see on the television with Wimbledon and the cricket being on is how hot it is down south. Yeah. I Yeah. Life choices. Regretting them. But there we are. <laughs> we'll swap. We'll swap. <laughs> So, what are we going to talk about today? So, this time we're going to talk about uh, ways to release your music in 2019, which is a very awkward title, but I didn't really know what else to call it. Um, so, there's lots and lots of different methods to um, distribute your music nowadays, and uh, it can be quite confusing knowing what what is going to work best for you, I think. Yeah, I think... This is as much of going to be a disclaimer for telling you why you shouldn't use these me- these methods. I think a lot of them can seem glamorous and quite easy. So I think it'd be really interesting to delve into delve into how these work. So I think we should dive into the first one that I've got written down here, which is Kickstarter. Do you want to just Indeed. kind of run through what Kickstarter is? D- does anyone not know what Kickstarter is nowadays? You'd be know. surprised. Oh, fair enough. So Kickstarter is a platform uh, from which you can uh, make a test product, or, or in this case, case, or in this case, music, um, like a new album that you want to release, and you go, uh, we want to release this album, or we want to release this product, but we don't have any money. Um, who wants to help? Is <laughs> kind of the basic premise of it um so there's a band actually there's a band that i just supported on kickstarter the other day and their sort of lowest level uh contribution because you have different levels of contribution for different amounts of money um their lowest level one was just like a digital download and then there was a cd and then there was it got more and more and more until we will do a show in your house <laughs> uh, which given that they're american i felt a bit i felt a bit rude yeah. Um, asking for a show in my house well i guess but, it depends how much you donate in at this point it's 250 well dollars um i don't know if that would cover cover the flights yeah <laughs> i don't think it will i think yeah it's one of them things that uh you see more commonly with technology companies so inventors might have an idea i'm pretty sure there was a really famous kickstarter for like a hoverboard idea like a few years ago that nearly I broke the internet that. but obviously they they didn't come through on it yeah um although that would be incredible uh <laughs> so yeah i think in terms of a band i think the general premise is that you say to to your fans that you say uh pledge to us now they get there's another thing to highlight that kickstarter is just we're using that for the general phrase but there's other companies called pledge yes. uh what are some other ones i don't know the other ones but there's there's lots of very similar yeah um, they all work on the similar companies. models yeah. So in in this scenario, if you're in a band and you say, right, well, we want we want to raise five grand to um, 
to make this album, you say to your fans, okay, well, it's essentially if you pre-order these things, then we'll get the money, we'll make the record, and you'll be the first person to receive it. It's essentially kind of like taking a loan from your fans at this point. Yeah. Buying the music before the music's available or made. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes sense. The one thing that I would highlight is this is You're gonna be you know, the voice I, of caution here. Yes. Throughout absolutely. this episode. Joe, words of caution, Sage. That's my middle name. Um Sage Advice. Sage Advice, yeah. I've got too many at this point. I got called Uncle Joe yesterday. Excellent. It's just getting out of hand. <laughs> um is that you need to have a really strong base to for this to work. Yes. It's not gonna work if this is your first record. Ultimately, because you need people to lend you the money. And if you've not produced anything before, you're going to struggle to you're going to struggle to convince anyone to buy your product before yes. it's actually released. So I was chatting, I was actually chatting with a band um, a few months ago and I said I suggested to them Kickstarter and they, they thought we haven't got enough fans to do that at the moment. Um, it's just not going to get anywhere, which was, you know, a great sort of um I don't know what the word is. Self-realization from the band, I guess, about what realistically where they were. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing to consider is you've got to you've got to offer more than just the music, I think. Yes. Because ultimately in today's in today's industry people it it takes a lot for people to buy music in the first place never mind pre-order the music i think that's that's another level so you're gonna have to offer them something a bit more than just the music yeah. so i've seen so for a case in point i worked on a ep for a quite a well-known band called sixth and they um they did all kinds they kind of did like signed drum skins i think was one thing um they did uh uh, interviews and Q and A's for people who uh, for people who pledged. So yeah, I think you just have to offer something more beyond. You've got to create that feeling of it being a unique yeah. club that they've. You're adding value beyond just the price of admission. So as well as um, you know actually making the album and all that entails, um, you've got to think about the amount of extra content that you you should produce. Um, and that's that's not as saying you shouldn't do it. If you've got a big enough fan base, give it a go. Is honestly is what I would say. Um, maybe if you find one or two bands you like who are doing um, kickstarters, uh, just pledge a bit of money, and then you'll get into there because it has like an internal sort of email update system, and you can see the kinds of things that bands are giving uh, to fans on Kickstarter. That would probably be really worth doing before you actually try and start on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's also a real danger that you can underplan for these things. Yeah. You have to do this with a really really strong conviction that the budget you've set will get the record done. There aren't really rooms for hiccups or extra budgets at this point if you've got 1000, 5000, 10, however many people who've pre-ordered an album, they're going to get really really pissed off if you don't deliver on that. Yes. And there's plenty of projects on Kickstarter where it doesn't quite happen. Um, so you've got to be careful about that. And the second uh, potential option is the Patreon subscription model. Joe, what what is that? 
So Patreon is kind of similar to Kickstarter in a way that it creates, it's almost like a membership site. You're kind of creating a community, like an exclusivity element to your community where you have to pay, there's a paying option for it, but it's uh, based monthly. So similar to Kickstarter, you have to produce content, but it's got to be, uh, it's got to be monthly rather than just a one-off payment. Yes. Um, so I saw a, a great band um, actually engaging with this model um, and they basically seem to release uh, a, at least release a song a month and when they get to the sort of end of a certain amount of time um, they release either an EP or an album. Um, it's this funny thing that in the internet age um, there's this sort of disconnect where bands really like the idea of putting out a whole album and sort of this one big dump of of music, um, what a what a visceral image that is. Um, but the internet doesn't really like that. The uh, the internet likes continual um, engagement, so it really prefers kind of a stream of singles. Um, so the Patreon model allows you to do that and allows you to get your your fans sort of engaged. Um, but then also at the end of that, because it's exclusive, you can then go, look, we've actually got an album here as well and then release that. And you sort of get almost the best of both worlds. Um, yeah, I think just to pick up on what you were saying there, the key thing to highlight is the word exclusivity. Yes. The danger with that I think people run into with Patreon is they just think, oh, well, we'll just upload stuff monthly and will generate some income from it if you're not offering something more than what you put out on spotify for essentially free or just you know the subscription fee of those streaming platforms no one's really going to be interested or if they are interested they'll feel cheated if you're just offering the exact same content to everyone else for free yes very true um it's it's a similar problem to kickstarter in the way you've got to go in knowing the kind of extra things around your music you're going to offer and that can be exclusive tracks but that can you know that can also be sort of anything like video uh, video logs vlogs that's what they call them isn't it i'm modern <laughs> honest um it's vlogs, showing it? your age right? there i don't know <laughs> Vlog, vlogs a weird word to me uh so you can do vlogs obviously uh you can do you know um exclusive pre-sales of tickets um extra merch exclusive merch things like that um, but it's, it's, you've got to go in knowing the extra bits you want to offer before you start, really. Yeah, planning, I think, is is really important. It's, Absolutely. Don't, don't get into the habit of just going, oh, crap, we have to come up with something new this month. The people I know who are doing <laughs> it well have got stuff planned in advance, maybe 12 to 14 months beforehand. They've got a huge plan of, if they haven't already got it done, they've got a plan of what will happen in what so say we're in july now they'll know what they'll be releasing july 2020 that's some serious organization yeah but it's 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 a good revenue stream this is a thing oh, another yeah. thing to to think about is the first two ones we've mentioned they are not for the faint-hearted when it comes to effort but the the reward is high if you do put the effort in but that's okay we can we can segue into maybe slightly, I'm not going to say easier, simpler uh, models. Yeah, um, a good idea for the Patreon model we were just discussing there about things you could do is to add that level of exclusivity. You could just release stuff earlier to the people on your Patreon. So 
if everyone else is getting the single a month later, but your Patreon uh, subscribers are getting it a month earlier, that that can add a level of exclusivity that will make people pay in if you're their favourite band. They don't want to wait yeah. a month to hear your new single. So offer them it a month beforehand or offer them the tapes or yeah, the tapes, the basement tapes is the phrase I mean. God, it's you and video logging the and analog tapes. tapes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's that it's that element. Talking about two thousand and five. Yeah. Hey, that task camp served me well. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's what a, a nerdy thing. Of, joke. It's a thing of uh, just offering something, something exclusive. You've got to make someone feel valued and make them feel important for them to opt in. Like I said earlier, that the worst case scenario is people feeling cheated, because not only will you start getting people who will who will ask for refunds, they'll write negative reviews, and ultimately you'll you'll lose a fan, which is the whole point of doing this is you want to gain Painful. fans to keep on making music, and the last thing you want to do is upset them by making them feel like you've conned them out of their hard earned money. Yeah, that'd be pretty awkward. Of course, the the advantage to Patreon compared to Kickstarter um, is that you don't need that big fan base to start with. You can start with one Patreon subscriber and you can still build in that exclusive content. It's so Kickstarter is that sort of thing where it's all in like one big rush and you're like, I've got, I don't know, two months to collect all this money, hopefully. Um, but Patreon, because it's a monthly rolling thing, you can sort of build fans as you go along and build and build more money into it. But it it does need that forethought to plan things ahead so the third one that we're going to discuss is youtube has anyone heard of youtube i hear it's quite <laughs> it's quite popular nowadays i've heard it's the myspace oh. of 2019 <laughs> MySpace. we keep talking about myspace we really should stop it myspace i was going to say myspace is dead but it's not is it it's still it's still clinging what? on it's dragging itself through <laughs> dragging itself through what happened to myspace tom do you remember MySpace Tom? Who doesn't remember MySpace Tom? Who's your Tom? first friend? I was going to say, who doesn't remember MySpace Tom? But I imagine a lot of the bands I've started working with won't remember MySpace Tom, which is kind of depressing. Uh, oh, he's my favourite friend. <laughs> anyway, YouTube. Like, let's talk 2019, not 2006, <laughs> whenever it was. Um, <laughs> YouTube. So, um, the way, I think it's fair to say, the way that most bands find new fans at the moment is youtube um i think that's i think that's not a controversial statement no i don't say i don't think um, so. it's it's obviously it's such this this it's this monolithic thing that everyone knows about and everyone is aware of and i think there's there's so many um avenues to release your music on youtube so there is they they are sort of building their own um music player system within youtube but that aside um, there's the obvious sort of music video content, which which is ever popular, it seems. Um, but then there's also the the sort of lyric video type things, um, that sort of thing that that's really worth looking into because I think a lot of people do discover new bands that way. Yeah. Further to that, I think there's so many ways of of adding content to YouTube that you might not necessarily get away with in Facebook and Instagram, especially with. Um, things like vlogs and long-form content that isn't about your music. I think with Facebook and Instagram, pe yeah. people really go on social media for very snackable content. They're not on there to watch something of length. 
if you put a 20 minute tour vlog on facebook i'd be very surprised if people watch that to the end to the to the end but i think when people when people go on youtube i think the whole they sign up to to watch sit down and watch something it's it some people use it casually but i know personally i can get lost in you know a 20 minute trawl of watching one tour blog then it links to another one and another one and another one and before i know i've been watching stuff for four or five hours it's a great platform um but there is an immediate and fairly uh screaming drawback um is that you've as a band or an artist you've got to know someone who's really good at making videos um or be good yourself (laughs) because if you you can have the best song in the world but if you've got a music video that looks cheap and horrible it's it's going to put people off yeah i will also caveat that with and because this person will forever remain anonymous but it is doing the rounds in my uh mix engineer and producing whatsapp group of we have found the worst song slash production to high production music video ratio that we've ever come across can it's probably not the forum to ask but could you send me a link i absolutely can it is. Don't excellent. get me wrong, it looks like Scorsese did the video, but it sounded like it was oh, recorded excellent. through someone's it mobile just... phone. Oh. For the life right. of me, I can't figure out what is going on. It, it looks great, sounds like a Is that what you're trying to... Yeah, and when you see it, trying to say? Will, be a, will be a prominent <laughs> word. A prevailing theme. Wow. <laughs> I'm excited now. Sorry, um, this this really isn't podcast uh, podcast worthy talk, is oh, it? Oh no, absolutely. Let's this talk is, about something that you, you can't know. Further to that, I think the whole thing about making a music video. Yes, I think there has to be a certain quality to it to be passable. Um, yeah. Although I wouldn't stress about it too much. It it kind of is a bit of a crying shame when I see. I mean, not to the same ratio of it being awful production, but. You can tell when someone spent too much money on the music video and not enough on actually recording the song. <laughs> it, it's yes. it's a bit it's a bit of a shame because the the whole thing I think of is if you want to get radio or Spotify playlists and stuff like that, the music video isn't going to be there. It can Very true. Very it can true. prop you up on YouTube, but elsewhere it's it's not it's it's not really good enough. Yeah, it, it's it's just not great. But. It is worth saying that it's 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 almost uh, what what you need is kind of very genre dependent. So if you're um, I don't know like a punk band or like a dirty rock band, you could probably get away with something that's a lot rougher around the edges than I don't know um, a pop popular uh, music group. Yeah, popular. <laughs> how much I know Are you pop. referring to one of those pop bands I tend to work with? popular beat combos um so yeah so if you're like if you're gigging regularly then maybe get some friends along with some gopros um and get loads of footage from various gigs it could be genuinely as simple as that i've seen that kind of video work before um and it's it's obviously super cheap a quick example i can think of that worked really really well was it kind of was a pop 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 bandish maybe indie indie rock indie pop and they just got all their fans to film themselves lip syncing to the song and they just did a huge edit of all their yeah. fans like singing along to the song and it worked really really great it was a bit grimy and a bit you know 
rough around the edges, but it worked really, really well. And I think having <laughs> something like that is better than having nothing at all. Yes. Uh, the one, one again, sage word of caution is um, it's a trend that I've noticed now and is some of the most infuriating things to, to happen is if you've got a four minute pop song, four minute metal song, I don't care what the kind of song is it, don't put an ad in the middle of it. It just doesn't make sense. So um, a, a great creative uh, music video I saw was by a band called Scam, S-K-A-M. And they released a video and I'm afraid I can't remember the song, but I will find it and put it in the show notes. Um, and it was a music video of just them in a town playing. And so it, there's there's a three-piece band. And so you'd have the whole drum kit set up in like this town square and it's incredibly obvious that everyone walking around cannot hear this song. So they just they, they just see these, this person playing drums and really going for it. And it's, it's very funny. I would recommend. Another idea that I think would be cool is to just do vlogs. And I don't really think there's an excuse. If you've got a smartphone, you can do a vlog. It's very easy. Just do it in landscape, please. Don't do it in portrait. It's the worst. What's wrong with the <laughs> portrait portrait vlogs for the win, no. right? No. So another option um, is DistroKid, or you know those kind of self-publishing type uh, deals. Joe. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I think. Let's be honest. If you've released music and you're an independent musician, you've probably gone down this this model. Yep. Yeah, I think it takes away a lot of the anxiety of self-publishing. It's not ideal in a lot of cases because ultimately they have to they have to take their cut. So, you know, you yeah. you're not making the full percentage, but they will make sure you get all your rights. They will make sure it gets on all your uh, gets on all the right platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music. It will help you sleep at night. You won't be stressing about is it in the right place? Is it going to be taken down? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Big question. Go on. Then. Did they put them on MySpace? I don't think they put them on MySpace. Oh, well, but I think we found a gap in the market it. for a company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, DistroKid. Yeah, so there are, there are loads of examples of DistroKid type things. So I think another example is SpinUp. Uh, yep. Ditto is another one. Um, and, you know, they all have their pros and cons. I've heard some people have had great experiences with one. And similarly, with the same company, other people have had nightmare experiences. It's one of them things that I think it depends on. It depends on you as a band, how much you're prepared to pay, your circumstances. But it's one of those I think you're just better off researching it for yourself and seeing which one works yes. works best for you. It is an absolute minefield of research, but it's worth it um, to get your music to the right company. Yeah, ultimately. one thing I will say that because I was just chatting to someone about it earlier is in terms of uh getting money for cover songs i know DistroKid does a cover license because if you try and self-publish it you will unless you are a master of music law um you won't make any money from that you you could get demonetized potentially sued and uh, you know at best you could have your music removed with no repercussions 
but DistroKid will do a cover license. Admittedly, you're not going to make as much money, but I, I think that's only fair. It's not your song. So what DistroKid will do yeah. is they'll ensure that the people who you're covering or the people who own the rights to the song will get their fair slice of it. But ultimately, you, you will make money. It's less money, but it's better than making no money at all. I prefer making some money to no money. I sure should get do. that as a tattoo. <laughs> what, a, what a weird tattoo. Um, so, finally, um, there's the, the classic, classic option um, of physical media. Whoa. Pre-MySpace. That's for some people in 2019, doesn't it? Pre-MySpace. So I'm talking CDs. I'm talking vinyl, um, which is almost surprising to say, but certainly in rock and metal vinyl is a huge thing i'm even talking tape because i've heard tape is making a comeback well by by that you mean cassette yeah yeah, yeah. Pro- pro- not, not like cassette not tape. two inch reel to reel two inch reel to reel that's that's the only way to listen to music isn't it right <laughs> it'd be a very niche market who could it's afford right. play it and buy it it's joyously analog <laughs> yeah uh, so physical media joe thoughts I think it still has its place. Just. I think you have to be really <laughs> creative about how you do it, though. I think the days of, you know, throwing a CD ROM into a clear plastic jacket with a bit of Sharpie over it is well well and truly gone because there's just an assumption it will be on Spotify. Further to kind of the whole Kickstarter and Patreon thing, I think you have to offer something a bit more. Yeah. So maybe on your physical release, you have to offer a level of exclusivity. So it could be maybe an, an uncut version, like a non-radio version or an acoustic track. Um, maybe some interesting artwork. Um, maybe on the inside, I've seen this done. So they've kind of got the whole cardboard CD sleeve and on the inside, they've included a sticker. Ooh. So it, it's just something else everyone to, loves stickers i'm obsessed with stickers um <laughs> who doesn't like stickers you'd be mad if you're not like crazy people <laughs> it's very true um so yeah it's just it's just adding that that extra level of yeah of exclusivity and making you've got to add that incentive for people to go oh well i could listen to it for free so why would i want to buy a physical version mm. in the rock and metal I don't know, sphere, which I, I roll in. Sphere? Roll? No? Sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just clicked onto that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> physical media is still very much a thing. So when you go to a gig, um, if, there's a support, there's, if there's a support band and you hear them and you go, you are amazing, and you go to the merch stand and they have a CD for sale, in the, the world I roll in, um, that is very much an active option. And to almost not have CDs is almost a waste, which sounds like it's almost a wasted opportunity, um, which in this sort of digital world, I don't know how long that's going to last for. But at the moment, that is certainly true. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that. And I think between us, there could be a hybrid answer to, like you said, you're not really sure how long that's, that the state of play is going to stay the same. So why don't you kind of get ahead of the game and with your physical releases, with your CDs, start incorporating extra things to make sure that you can survive that transition from, yes. you know, there being no market for just your bog standard CD in a case anymore. Mm. 
And there's there's great, great companies where you can get, you know, a load of CDs printed um, for quite cheap nowadays. Um, so it's actually surprisingly easy to get a CD made if you know where to go. Yeah. I made that sound CD, but... Yeah, I just want to say something quick about vinyl as well. Is it's a trend now? Because, well, vinyl is back on the rise, whether people like it or not. Um, but the... The word of caution is make sure you you pay good money to get vinyl done. It there are lots of cheap options to get it done, but I promise you they're not Don't worth do it. it. They Don't do sound it. like garbage. Let's be honest, if you if you wanna get um if you wanna get something pressed onto vinyl, you need to have separate master done by someone who's doing a master for vinyl. Otherwise oh, yes. it will just skip the needle. If you just try and put a modern digital master straight onto a if you vinyl don't, press, if you don't know what skip the needle means, don't get in vinyl. Don't get involved. Yeah, and you'll probably also you. won't know it's what MySpace is either. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Um, but uh, if you're if you're going for cassette tape, just make it as cheap as you like. It all sounds terrible. Anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. That's true. The thing, if you're a punk band, cassette tape's fantastic, right? Yeah, I think it's the way forward. I don't. I don't want to say cassettes are novelty because I think that's an insult to it. But it does it have is that. Such it, a novelty, though. Yeah, but I, I think that's kind of part of the appeal, isn't it? It's almost. Yeah. It, it's a hip. It's a hipster thing. Cassette, really. Um, that's a brutal statement. But the uh, I think the thing to consider when you're kind of going for physical releases, especially if you're going something more than just CD, is keep that in mind right from right from the off. So whoever's producing, whoever's mixing, I know with a lot of the clients I produce and mix with, if they're if they want to work uh, towards a vinyl, then it needs to be a conversation had at the start because you will ultimately need to make some production choices and some mix choices that translate well onto vinyl. Yes, you can't just decide last minute when it's done. We'll have this on vinyl as well. Yeah, um, you'll it, end up quite disappointed with what you come up with. Yeah, very disappointed what you come up with, um, but. Don't get me wrong, if you uh, if you have got the budget for it and you have those proper discussions and you're using a proper mix engineer and a proper mastering engineer for uh, for vinyl and you get a good press and you do good artwork and have the full shebang, put it this way, I'll be buying it. It's the only time I ever buy the physical <laughs> version of anything I work on is if it comes on vinyl, Oof. I'm the first person to buy it. I absolutely I'm love having the vinyl version of stuff I've worked on. I'm a CD guy. And when the day comes that I work on something that gets released on tape, I'm buying it on tape. <laughs> Even though I have no means of playing When you it. say tape, please highlight that you mean cassette. No, I mean real tape. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> Only the best. <laughs> cool. So, those are, I guess, the major options. Um for the moment uh, about how to release the best way to release your music um which is the best um really depends i guess on your audience size um it depends on how much sort of ancillary work good word ancillary uh, ancillary work that you're you're willing to put in and uh so things like you know videos uh, is a big question and patreon is a big question yeah so the thing to take away from this is that i think it totally depends on your situation i don't think there's a right there's a specific right or wrong 
you've got to kind of go with what feels best. Do your research is the important thing. Don't dive into any of these lightheartedly. Do your research, commit to one or two and, and go for it. Give it, like you say, put in the ancillary work. Is that make, does that make sense in that? In that context, it's the first time I'm it using d- that word. It does sort sort of make sense. Ancillary is a great word. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the big thing that I I recommend is talk to the people you're working with. Like we mentioned with oh, the whole yes. CDs and uh, physical media, is have a conversation with the producer, have a conversation with the mix engineer, have a conversation with promoters, especially if you want to kind of start doing cds for live stuff you know handing out at gigs ask promoters if their other artists sell cds at gigs if they turn around and they go no they bring hundreds and they don't sell any on tour then it's probably not a good idea or it doesn't work in your genre to sell cds Mm. most importantly (laughs) if any of you are releasing anything on cassette tape or reel-to-reel tape please get in contact (laughs) i I would genuinely love to hear. (laughs) On a a similar note, the thing I'd also say is um, ask someone who's been through it before. So I'm always here, as I'm sure Phil is. Hello. If you've got any questions about this type of thing, the best people you can ask are the people who you want to work on music with. They'll have seen it all before. They'll have seen the mistakes that other people have made and the things that other people have done really successfully. So there's, there's no daft questions as far as I'm concerned. If you want to know how expensive it is to get a decent master done to vinyl, email me. If you want to know what the difference is between doing a doing a regular mix and production for CD and another regular mix and production for vinyl, again, you can email email me. So it's just, yeah, communication is key in this. Yeah, and we'll have all our email addresses and various ways to contact in the show notes. Exactly. So I feel like we've... We've covered quite a lot today. We have. Very informative and fun. (laughs) And more importantly, I've learned the word ancillary. Great word. Great word. I'm going to try and use it in as many as possible. So, thank you for listening to another fantastic episode, I'm sure you'll agree, of the Music Survival Guide podcast. It was brought to you by Vortis Sound Studios and Nevis Audio. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do it via our business pages or alternatively, you can find us on Facebook at Music Survival Guide Podcast or you can email us at musicsurvivalguide at gmail.com. See you next time.